like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got a real treat for you today for Song of the Soul. Some time ago, one of our listeners recommended that I interview Dov the Bard as my guest. Dov the Bard is the alter ego, stage name, of Dave Smith, an English singer-songwriter who is also a prominent figure in the order of bards, ovates, and druids. Dave has so much to share that this will be a two-hour interview, so today will be just the first installment. Get ready for a deep encounter with the druidic way of walking and singing on this world, as Dave Smith, a.k.a. Dov the Bard, joins us from England. Dave, I'm so very pleased to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you for having me on the show. It's going to be a pleasure to talk to you. And of course, here meaning I'm in the USA, I'm in the state of Wisconsin, city of Eau Claire, or actually in the country outside of Eau Claire. Where are you in the UK? I am in a city called Brighton, or officially Brighton and Hove, (laughs) and that's right on the south coast. So if you look at England, you'll see London. If you just draw a line straight down and stop about 500 metres before the sea, then you'll be in my house. (laughs) And if you went another thousand meters too far, you'd be swimming. Well, yes, right. Yeah, you well, you might even be close to be on your way to France by then. <laughs> you do a fair amount of traveling, doing touring with your music as a bard, as Dav the Bard. Explain the name, if you would, right away. Okay, it's spelt D-A-M-H. And for years and years and years, people have called me Damn the Bard. And I've kind of, you know, it's okay. You can damn me if you like. (laughs) (laughs) I've been damned a few times over my life. But actually, it's a Gaelic word officially. And it means stag. It means ox. And it also means bard. So I am officially either stag the bard, ox the bard, or bard the bard. And it's pronounced Darv, D-A-R-V. The M-H sound is a V sound. Um, but my given name is Dave. So I, I answer to either Darv, Dave, and I'll answer to Dan because, I don't, you know, like, a, you know, not many people know Scots Gaelic, to be honest with you. Do you actually know it uh, to some significant degree or just a few words? Ritualistically, I do. Um, I'm a druid. My spirituality, my religion is druidry. And sometimes we'll use Scots Gaelic as part of a ritual setting, along with, you know, Welsh and Brythonic. So, but not as a conversational thing. No, I know the odd word and I know how to cast a circle in Welsh and that kind of thing, but um, not really. How did you grow up uh, religiously, spiritually? If you're, if you're druidic, I, were you a raised druidic family? 
No, I was, uh, my parents were Church of England, like many people. I wouldn't say they were religious either. They they sent me off to Sunday school when I was a little child, which, you know, was a place we all used to go and learn a bit of scripture and that kind of thing. And I think it was while I was at Sunday school that I realised I wasn't a Christian, you know. It felt to me, I know a lot of people get nourishment from it, so I'm not anti-Christian. It's just for me, it felt like it come from a foreign land. You know, we would be discussing palm trees and and donkeys and the desert and, you know, Bethlehem and that kind of thing. And I'd come out of Sunday school and it was snowing and bitterly cold and it just didn't seem like it related to me. So I guess that kind of knowledge was what fueled my fire to look at something of an indigenous, earthy spirituality, you know. Are there good Druidic resources back when you were a young man? Uh, <laughs> was it easy to find? No, there was there was nothing then. It was a very, very long path that probably, you know, I found the Druids way, way later in 1994. That was when I actually found the order I belong to now. It was a seed that was planted probably in those early days that I followed and planted and it grew and finally led me to druidry much, much later in life. And you're part of the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. And actually, you you became in 2010 the Pendragon of the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. First of all, are you a bard? Does that also mean you can't be an Ovate and a Druid? Uh, no, absolutely not. It's not like a, a, a multi-leveled thing where you... For instance, you know, the bardic arts are the foundation of everything because it holds our story. It holds our connection to the land and to the landscape all around us. It's when we learn the stories of the hills and the rivers all around. And that's the foundation of it all. When the druid becomes an ovate, they are also a bard. So they don't stop being a bard. They, they are an ovate and a, and a bard. When they move into the Druid, they are then Druid, Bard, and Ovate all at once. You don't leave it behind. It's, it's, they're three very different schools of learning, each dealing with a different sort of connection with the path. But as you go through that list, it encompasses the previous? Is that what I'm understanding? You're building on, it's a, here's a nucleus, here's a, a layer around it, and here's a layer around that. Yes, yes. It's, it's built upon. And of course, you know, the way you, you look at the world around us, for instance, the bardic path, you know, when people find spirituality, one of the things that they tend to want to do is escape the world we're in. I'm not saying that for everybody, but I know some people look, use it as a crutch and as a way of escaping what is in their lives as being a human on earth yeah and what the bardic stuff does is it says you don't you know the the beauty and wonder is not in escape it's actually out there already and it teaches you to see the world through the eyes of a poet i would say so that the sunrise and the forest and even the little blade of grass sticking up in the, on the walkway you know in the middle of the city is still a thing of beauty you know and you're not not to escape from it to actually become more a part of it. And of course, this heavily affects both the music that you play, write yourself, but the music that you selected when I asked you to pick out the music of your spiritual path, your journey, your beliefs. Instead of just including all music by yourself, which I'm sure you could do, you've got six CDs out there, according to your website. Yeah. But you chose a lot of music from other people. Why did you do that instead of just letting us revel in your music constantly? <laughs> Well, I didn't want it to come over like a complete ego trip for a start. 
um, because I think, you know, music is such an influential thing. And I've been into music since I was like three years old. I, I used to drive our next door neighbors mad when I was on my rocking horse singing to the top of my voice to at least a couple of the songs you're going to play tonight. And so, you know, these things have influenced my music. So in a way, it's acknowledging my own roots as well as a deep love of all kinds of music, you know? Well, why don't you get us started on the music that you picked out for your Song of the Soul from Dave. Okay. Dav. Dav the Bard. <laughs> Dav. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to start with a band called Fairport Convention, who were huge in the 70s and late 60s. They contain a, a lady called Sandy Denny, who is the, the female vocalist on, one, on Led Zeppelin IV, and also one of our greatest songwriters, Richard Thompson. And this song, it's called Crazy Man Michael. It was the first song I ever learned to play on the guitar when I was eight years old. I was taught by an Irish folk musician called Tim O'Leary who couldn't read music. So he taught me orally. He played a chord. He said, listen to that sound. Now I'll play another chord. Listen to that sound. The first one was G. The second one was C. Can you hear the, the similarities or the differences between those notes? Sing them, get to know them, that kind of thing. And that finally led to him teaching me Crazy Man Michael, written by Richard Thompson and Dave Swarbrick with, in my opinion, the best opening line of any song ever written. I wish I'd written this opening line that says, Within the fire and out upon the sea, Crazy Man Michael was walking. Magic.
by Fairport Convention, the song Crazy Man Michael. It was selected by Dov the Bard, Dave Smith, if you will, who is with us here today for Song of the Soul. And again, you played that at age eight. Yes. That mystical path that, that, you know, within the fire and out upon the sea, the first line that you mentioned in that song. I guess, you know, eight is a magical age. I guess we get our magic beaten out of us frequently as we grow old, or we we forget that we could spend hours just lying on our back looking at clouds or or noticing an insect crawling on a branch. I absolutely agree. I mean, it's one of the things that my parents never, ever did, and maybe that's why I do what I do now. They were told to. I had really, really active imagination when I was a child, and I used to create imaginary friends and tell stories about the the fairies and elves at the bottom of the garden. And my mum and dad would go into school and they would say, you've really got to curb Dave's imagination. They actually used that word, you know, the curb his imagination, stop him being so creative. Well, they didn't. Thank the gods. <laughs> they, <laughs> they never did that. In fact, they encouraged it. You know, they, my mum would read me, you know, fairy stories when I was a child. They would fully encourage my songwriting and my playing. And I think, you know, that song, that Crazy Man Michael, is, a, is an archetypal story about madness and infatuation and obsession. But the language it uses was such an influence on me. It paints pictures with words rather than tells you exactly what's happening. And that's what I would always try and do with my lyrics. Poetry as opposed to straight prose. Yes, exactly. When I was listening to the song, and of course I had firmly in mind that you're coming from a druidic philosophy, way of life, way of seeing the world. Mm. And I was wondering, mental health from a druidic point of view, and you know, if I go back in the Bible or in other places, in other formal religion, all of a sudden mental illness becomes your demon possessed. Mm -hmm. How does that look in this song, if this at all reflects your druidic beliefs, about mental health? Well, you know, you cannot deny modern science. That's the thing. And if somebody is suffering from a mental illness, then I would be the first to say, you know, the person you need to see is a qualified psychotherapist, psychiatrist doctor that kind of thing you know many people have been through psychotherapy i think and it's it's something we don't 
our culture is it doesn't want to look at the mind too much you know if we have a cold or we have the flu we'll go and see the doctor if we have something wrong with our minds probably the most powerful organ in the body then there's so much denial and and stigma attached to it that somehow you're crazy or you're mad that people don't tend to do that kind of thing and actually acknowledge that maybe they just need to sit and talk with somebody you know you'll find that a lot of druids are actually counselors as their profession because jung for instance who created you know the jungian psychology school who also gave us the words for archetypes and things like that deeply believed that to be a whole person there had to be an acknowledgement of that spiritual side of ourselves as well even though you're working with something physical like the mind yeah i mean that would be my first thing and on the other hand when you look at indigenous cultures around the world their shamans or the medicine people sometimes are a little crazy you know and they are respected by their tribe so we've kind of got got a, a strange skewed way of looking at mental health i think in in the west i don't think we've quite got it right yet yeah well and certainly the disconnection from our day-to-day life we've got a pressure and a direction that's pulling us which is not our natural urges and which i think means that in a lot of ways we say I don't like this thing in me. I have to shut it down, deny it. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that just makes us not function well. Exactly. Uh, you know, if you've got legs, you they're good for walking. But if you put them in a car all day long, our body gets a little dysfunctional. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is that kind of like acknowledgement. And it's that kind of, like I said in, in the first thing about the bardic tradition, it's that trying to escape reality, you know, and um, and actually you don't need to. You, you know, part of it needs to be sit down and say, actually, I can work with this. I can work within it, you know, and we all have our shadow sides, don't we? We all have those those areas of ourselves that we're not too proud of and we don't like. And denial is one of the worst things you can do because it just puts it in a box, but eventually that box will spill open at the most inopportune moment. And actually an acknowledgement of that shadow is, see, druids don't tend to work towards enlightenment. We tend to work towards wholeness. I think there's a subtle difference. We're not trying to escape anything. We're not trying to become enlightened and leave this world. What we're trying to do is to become more whole within it. And that means an acknowledgement of that shadow as well. Well, maybe that leads us to you, the next song that you told me you want to share for your song of the soul. Okay. Turning away. And in the chorus of turning away, in daylight we're oblivion. In darkness, though, we do what we can. Yeah. And I was wondering about, you know, is, does that mean darkness is good or bad or light? Does that have something to do with what you were just talking about, enlightenment or not? Yes, I think the thing is that the brighter the light, the darker is the shadow. You can't have dark without light. If, you, if all you ever experienced was cold and you never experienced hot, how would you know what cold ever felt like? You wouldn't know. So basically... Again, I think we come down on hard on this idea of darkness, but actually the night and the moon and the mysteries of the moon and of the goddess, particularly within, within Druidry and paganism, and, th- and that darkness and is where often she will reside, is somewhere where we can get our most deep, deep learning from. So again, it's not something we tend to shy away from. It's something we tend to look at and work with 
as well as the light. You know, it's a balance, you know. So this is Doogie MacLean, a Scottish singer-songwriter, and he's playing a song called Turning Away. Now, I was on a, a holiday in the Outer Hebrides with my wife, Kerry, and we were staying in a, in a B&B on the Isle of Skye. While we were eating our breakfast, this music came over the, the speakers in the bed and breakfast, and I could hear this voice and this sound, and I said, who is this? And the lady said, oh, this is a singer-songwriter called Doogie MacLean. And as I listened to him, I just thought, this is about as close to me as I could ever imagine anyone getting, or that I could get to anyone else in their songwriting, in their voice, in their vibe. And I went straight out, bought two of his albums, and then played them incessantly and drove Kerry completely bananas <laughs> <laughs> as, as, we, as we drove around the Isle of Skye and the Isle, you know, the Isle of Lewis and all those places when we were on holiday. But, you know, Doogie feels like a kindred spirit to me. We've met, we have met briefly at his concerts, but not as, not as anything other than a fan and a, and a musician. But I love his work, so this is Doogie McLean and Turning Away. In darkness we do what we can In daylight we're oblivious Our hearts so raw and clear Are turning away, turning away from here On the water we have walked like the fearless child What was fastened we've unlocked Revealing wondrous wild And in search of confirmation We have jumped into the fire And scrambled with our burning feet Through uncontrolled desire And in darkness we do what we can In daylight we're our hearts so raw and clear Turning away, turning away from here There's a well upon the hill from our Strong and fast And there's those who try to tame it And to carve it into stone How but words cannot extinguish it However hard they're thrown And in darkness we do what we can In daylight we're oblivious Our hearts so raw
their highland dreams By Kilcrenin they have nourished In the mountain streams And in searching for acceptance They had given it away Only the children of their children Know the price they had to pay And in darkness we do what we can In daylight we're oblivion Our hearts so raw and clear Are turning away Turning away from here In darkness we do what we can In daylight we're oblivion Our hearts so raw and clear Are turning away Turning away from here In darkness we do what we can In daylight we're there, Doogie McLean, the song Turning Away, and it was selected by Dave Smith and his performing name, Dov the Bard, and Dov is spelled D-A-M-H. Again, that may not be your typical English pronunciation of those letters, but we're dealing with a foreign language here. <laughs> it's, it's something a little bit more indigenous than what we have. Of course, the native languages in each of these places were displaced by succeeding groups coming in and having dominion. But anyway, Turning Away was a song, Scottish musician Dougie McLean. Funnily enough, that's from the album called Indigenous. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yes, in search of confirmation, we have jumped into the fire. I don't suppose that it's any part of Druidic practice to jump into the fire, huh? Well, we don't tend to jump into it. That's highly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but we all jump over them as part of our Beltane and Samhain celebrations. Absolutely. So at Beltane May Day, we, we can build either one or two big Beltane fires. Beltane is the start of summer. It means uh, the, the fires of Bell, and the Bell is the sun. And we will run up to the fires and jump across these Beltane fires through the flames from winter into summer. So, yeah, we'll jump through them, but we don't necessarily jump into them. From what you said earlier, I take it you're a city dweller, not a country dweller. <laughs> but I hear a lot of aspiration in your voice, a connection to the sacred places of the country. Or, or maybe you have a, a shrine in your own backyard, a place of blessed naturalness uh, that's not all cement and walls and rectilinear corners and edges. Yeah, we do. I mean, our garden is set aside as a sacred space, and it's a beautiful space. It's like a lot of people surrounded by other houses. 
But you see, another thing is that although we look towards the, the natural world, another thing that Druids will say is that humans are a part of that natural world. We are just another animal. We just happen to be intelligent in our own understanding of what intelligent means. So part of that reconciliation between in us and the natural world is to say that when we build our houses that is a natural thing because we are part of the natural world so our cities you know we have to take responsibility for it and we aren't exactly dealing with the planet in a very helpful and sane way but at the same time part of that comes because we think we're separate from it we don't think we are another species, another animal, another earthling, you know. Even when you look at beautiful paintings like Leonardo da Vinci's paintings, for instance, that is a natural, that is a product of the natural world, even if a human had done it. Does that make sense? Well, of course it does. Of course it does. But I'm still assuming that for your ceremonies, when you're dealing with this and changes of the seasons, the four walls of our houses and where we've got our central heating and our air conditioning and so on, don't let us connect with what's happening outside. Don't let us even see the sun. Some people work entire days without seeing the sun. You're absolutely right. We, we have eight seasonal festivals that go throughout the year. And certainly for those eight seasonal festivals, we always hold open ceremonies at a place in Sussex called the Long Man of Wilmington. It's a big chalk hill figure on the Sussex Downs. And we've been holding ceremonies there every one of the eight festivals since spring equinox 2000. And what we do is every single time, no matter what, rain, sunshine, sleet, wind it doesn't matter we'll, we'll take that walk up onto that hill and we'll just spend that time that centered moment of stillness to just look at the landscape around us and just make that connection with where we are during the year and during the seasons it's really really important to do that i think one of the things that i wonder about in some ways being under the influence of something that's beyond our powers a hurricane a tornado or even the the brutal force of winter or the burning desert sands it somehow when i've experienced that it has opened me up to new possibilities it's freed me from the thought that i have to or should or am properly controlling everything when I look out across the landscape and see nothing but fields which are tended by humans, there's part of me which is awed by the beauty of that and part of me which is appalled. How do you react when you see cultivated regions as opposed to natural wooded regions or whatever? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a great fan of it either. However, I try and have a less cynical, more philosophical view about it in as much as we are all as a human race on a journey you know when we started this journey we were hunter gatherers thousands of years ago and suddenly we decided that it would be far easier to sit down and farm and that was you know the bronze age was when that happened the late neolithic early bronze age which was when all of our stone circles in britain were built that was when communities came together and said this is our homeland we're no longer hunter gatherers we're no longer nomadic and so when I look at that field out there I try and just see it as that was the point where all of this began and we have to eat and we have to survive and the celebrations that the druids gave us of Beltane, Samhain, Lunasa and Imog are agricultural festivals 
they were originally celebrated at a time when, for instance, at Lunasa, which is the harvest of the corn, the whole community would come together. They would sing songs and they would all go out into that field of corn with their scythes and they would all gather in the harvest together. Now it's one man in a combine harvester machine. Do you know what I mean? But even at Lunasa, when I see that combine harvester, I still feel that inner connection to the harvest, you know. It's tough. It's tough because we do crazy things with pesticides and we do crazy things with huge agriculture massive agriculture on scales that our ancestors would just look at and go what the hell are you doing so it's a tough one to match up but inside I try and still make that connection that when John Barleycorn in the fields is being cut by the harvester now he is still being cut and making his sacrifice to me so that I can have my bread you know it's not easy but that's the way I I have to work, work with that I don't suppose you've ever worked on a farm or out amongst the fields for about 10 years, I owned my own agricultural machinery company. And part of the reason I sold it is because I, I found it harder and harder to square my beliefs with what I was doing. So, yes, I have direct experience of the agricultural world. And, and in the end, I had to get out of it. I know that the next song that you wanted to share is called Corn <laughs> I had a question. Again, you're in England. And I'm in the USA, and a rig to me is apparatus. So is this talking like a corn rig? Is that like a combine for harvesting corn? Or <laughs> what is a corn rig in this song? A corn rig is, is a bunch of corn. Is corn held together. So no, it's nothing like that. In fact, this song, I think, was originally written by Robbie Burns, the Scottish poet, years ago. Way, way before this kind of thing. You know, at a time when people would go out into the fields as a community and to gather you know, before tractors and before agricultural machinery, it would be far more human, the interaction with the fields and with the crop. And I don't know if you know, but this film is the opening title song of the film The Wicker Man, <laughs> which is actually an old 70s horror film that has got a cult... <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that has got a cult following in the UK. I don't know what it's like overseas, but certainly... I don't think it hit here. Oh, I don't okay. think it hit us. Maybe you <laughs> well, should bring it on to a double feature. Yes. <laughs> you could have Dov the Bard performing with a, a feature following, you know. <laughs> well, they remade The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage a few years ago. And that was a terrible remake of the film because the original film when you sit and watch it and and the last scene is horrible that's where the horror comes in but the actual community on this island of summer isle it's almost like a musical and there's some beautiful songs in this film including this opening sequence of corn rigs which to me just just sings of a time of innocence time when things were less complicated and corn rigs here is performed by paul giovanni it was upon a llama's night when corn rigs are bonny. Beneath the moon's unclouded light I held a while to Annie. The time went by with careless heed till tween the late and early. With small persuasion she agreed To see me through the barley Corn rig 
rigs and barley rigs and corn rigs are bonny. I'll not forget that happy night among the rigs with Sincerely, I kissed her o'er and o'er again among the rigs of barley. Corn rigs and barley rigs and corn rigs are bonny. Giovanni. It was selected by Dave Smith, who's with us here today for Song of the Soul. You are listening to Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. Our website is northernspiritradio.org. And on our site, you can find all of our archives. You can listen to all of our programs the last seven plus years. You can download them. You can find them on iTunes and such as well. You can find links to our guests. Dave Smith, his performing name is Dav the Bard, and again, Dav is spelled D-A-M-H, in Gaelic pronounced Dav, uh, meaning stag or ox or a few other That's things, right. I guess. <laughs> you, do you have a multiple personality, perhaps, Dave? Well, I am a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> well, I resemble that comment as well. I happen to be that as well. His website is paganmusic.co. UK. And again, he is a pendragon of the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids there in the UK. I suppose it's a international order as well, or is it just in the UK? No, no. We, we have uh, members all over the world. In fact, I'd say half of our membership are probably in the United States of America now. So when you go touring, are you particularly going to druidic groups around the world, or is it folk groups, or just what's a typical audience for you look like? Yeah, when I play overseas, in fact, when I play in the UK as well, my main audience is a spiritual, pagan, druidic, Wiccan, witch, you know, that kind of audience. So, so if I go to the States, I'll play at something like the Pagan Spirit Gathering in Illinois, which is a gathering of just over a thousand pagans run by Circle Sanctuary and Selena Fox her group and they will invite us out there so i'll go out i'll play maybe three concerts and i'll do two workshops on druidry and spend the weekend with that community so i don't tend to set up my own tours of clubs and things like that it's always events that i'm invited to and how big is this around the world you said half your membership is probably in the u.s yeah and since you're the pendragon 
I don't even know what a pentagon is. It's, it sounds close to a pentagon, and I don't really care for those uh, as they are practiced in Washington, D.C., but what's a pentagon? Okay, it's it's actually pendragon. Pendragon, yes. okay. pendragon. I put the emphasis on the yeah. wrong syllable. <laughs> That's it. So it's, it's pendragon. Pendragon is an ancient British title that means head head of the dragon or head dragon, and so there are three roles within the the order that are kind of central roles to the running of the order itself. And you have the chief or chosen chief. You have the pendragon, which is me, and you have the scribe. The scribe is the recorder of the information, the administrator of the order. The chief is obviously the chief and the big boss man. And the Pendragon is like an ambassador. So that's what I do is I get out there and meet people. And since you're a bard, you know, Dav the Bard, does that necessarily imply music? Or is it is storytelling an equal and comparable art? So if, could someone be a bard and not be a singer, not be a musician? Yes. I think if you take it literally as its ancient meaning, then the bard is far more about, is far more the, the sort of shaman, poet, storyteller and singer and musician. I get a lot of people say to me, you know, I can't be a bard because I can't write poetry. I can't tell a story, that kind of thing. It's just not within me. So the quest of the bard is to taste of what we call the Arwen, which is the flowing spirit of inspiration. That Arwen is not like a life force. It's not always there. It's elusive. It's something you can tune into. It's something that you may catch and channel, but it's not something that is always present. But when it comes on you, it's like when when you're writing, a, when you, if you're a writer or something like that, some days it feels like you're giving birth and it's painful and bloody and gory. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, whereas other times it just feels like there's an absolute flow happening and you just can't seem to put a word wrong. And that's when the R-W-N is flowing. And that channel, that energy can be put into the way you raise your kids. It can be put into the way you cook your food. It can be put into your relationships and the way you work with other people. So the modern bard is all about creativity in all aspects of life, not just in what we would assume the bard to be. But I also thought that probably it's not an accident that you have the Pendragon post within the order of bards, ovates, and druids. Because of your musical and storytelling ability, I assume that that was important to have creativity in that particular ability. Yes, I think so. The first Pendragon of the Order was a woman called Vera Chapman, and she was a writer and author, and she she founded the Tolkien Society way back. And so that was her creative output, and she was the Pendragon of the previous Chosen Chief. When the Order was refounded, the next Pendragon was a painter, an artist called Will Worthington. He was the painter of the Druid Animal Oracle and Druid Craft Tarot and various other decks and things like that. And his creative output and the way he communicated his Druidry was through his art. Summer Solstice 2010, after 19 years, Will had had, in, had enough and wanted to pass that on. And, and I was asked to take over that role. And of course, my communication is music. So we've had a writer, an artist, and a musician as Pendragons of this order. Again, I want to mention to our listeners, Dav the Bard's here with us. He will be sharing some of his music. You want to find a link to him and find out about his six CDs. Perhaps the easiest way for you to do that is through northernspiritradio.org. You can also go directly to his site, 
paganmusic.co.uk. He will be sharing some of his music as we go along here. Why don't we pick out another song and keep on going so we can get to your music? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this next track is a track called Men and Toll. It's by a band called The Levelers. The Men and Toll is an ancient stone monument on Bodmin Moor in Cornwall, and I was born in Cornwall. So I have that, I, I always feel like I've got that connection to the old Celtic regions of Britain. Cornwall's the far western tip peninsula the toe if you like of the british isles the menantol is a hold stone with two standing stones either side and the opening line again here by the levelers so i find myself alone in the great southwestern you running like a madman on the moor that's me that's where my heart and soul is <laughs> is in that running like a madman on the moor in the rain and the wind and the gales and connecting with with all that is and that's what this song really sums it up for me men and told by the lovers so i find myself among the bright southwestern running like a mad bat on the moor let the sweet atlantic rain wash away my
the heavy side, Men Untold by the Lovelers, selected by Dav the Bard, who's also known as Dave Smith, here today for Song of the Soul. That heavier rock, Dave, is there a time in your life when that was mainly what you played? I, I was looking at your bio on your website, and there was a period when you were a rocker, right? Before you were a folker. <laughs> yeah, no, I still am. I, I have the heart of a rocker, still. You know, I have I have two hearts, being a Gemini. I have a folky heart and a, and a rocky heart. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's just thoroughly exciting, and I still like heavy rock music now. I was in a rock band throughout my teenage years. We got places, but never really hit the big time. Then I had children and I had to give up the band. And then finally I picked up the acoustic guitar and that led me back to folk, which is what Tim originally taught me with Crazy Man Michael. So it's like a circular journey with me. But, um, you know, I bought tickets the other day to see Rob Zombie with my sons. (laughs) 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 So, you know, you, you can't take the rocker out of the folky if it's in their heart, you know. And maybe you're going there actually to scout out some new material for your performances. That's right, yeah. You you know, the inspiration (laughs) can come from the most unusual places, you know. (laughs) As that song said, Men Untold. And by the way, men, I think, refers to the rocks in Brittany, where I've visited a number of times in that area of France, where they still got that ancient culture. They've got meniers around a lot, and meniers and men. I assume it's the same route. It's the, it's not only the same route, but it's almost the same people. The Cornish actually left Cornwall and set up home in Little Britannia or Brittany. So the people of Brittany have deep sort of Celtic Cornish roots, and their language, Brittany, the Brittany language, is Brythonic and comes, you know, is is very similar to Welsh and Cornish. And they've got lots of stones there. I mean, certainly people know about a couple of the stones that are in the UK, but I think there's a fair amount of them scattered about. Yeah, there's at least 3,000 stone circles around Britain. The ones that people know about are Stonehenge, maybe Avebury, the Ring of Brodgar on Orkney. These are fantastic sites, but to be honest, the small stone circle on the moor, like the Menantol, which is a lesser-known site, to me just retains some of its original potency because it hasn't got thousands of people walking around it using strange headsets with people telling them all about the history of it. You know, they're just sitting there as they have done for thousands of years, just being a mystery. So, yeah, plenty to explore in Britain other than Stonehenge. Well, I'm getting kind of itchy and I want to get on to your music. I know you've got some real gems to share, Dave, but that will have to wait till next week when you're back for another hour of Song of the Soul. So listeners, tune in next week for more music and thoughts from Dave Smith, Dav the Bard. See you then. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. So